Great, uh, let's get started. And as I said, uh, we're in the second chapter of this amazing story, the story of Naomi and Ruth. Um, so you haven't, you've only missed the first part of that story. Uh, we're in episode two. Uh, so we've had that first episode, and then we're in episode two. Um, and last week, we saw God's kindness towards those who were far from him. In that, this case, it was Naomi and Ruth. And he turned them around and brought them back to where he wanted them to be. It, it didn't look like plain sailing for them. It looked like rough terrain and not what they'd want or choose in life. But we saw that in the midst of Naomi's despair, God was in fact working for her good and even to answer her weakest prayer. The prospects for them, an aging woman and a, a foreigner like Ruth, back in Bethlehem, well, it looked bleak, didn't it? But their arrival back in Bethlehem just so happened to coincide with the beginning of the barley harvest, which is where we find ourselves in this chapter. A time of plenty. They left Bethlehem from famine. They came back and there was abundance. But Naomi, well, we saw, didn't we, last week, that she is uh, doubting God's goodness to her. And even here, she's not seeing the potential for anything. She's withdrawn in on herself. And it is Ruth, in verse 2, if you look at verse 2, who's taking all the initiative. And she's moved into action. Ruth exercises her faith and trust for God to provide. She gets out of bed, she gets herself dressed, and she goes out looking for work. But the chapter doesn't start like that. It doesn't start at verse 2, does it? Let's look at verse 1. Because what we get in verse 1 is what seems to be a random piece, piece of information. That's all I can describe it as. It's a puzzle piece of evidence that doesn't add up at the time, but actually is the bit that cracks the whole case. Let's look at verse 1. Now Naomi had a relative of her husband's, a worthy man of the clan of Elimelech whose name was Boaz. Interesting. And maybe all it does here for us is, is say, look out for him. Look out for Boaz. He's going to be significant. And he's described here as being worthy. A better word probably is mighty. Strong. Like one of David's mighty men, for example. Same word. His name actually means swift. And the narrator really wants you to know that he's from the clan of Elimelech. He says that again and again. In verse 3, Ruth just so happens to come to the part of the field. So that's look out for Boaz in verse 1. Ruth just so happens to come to the part of the field belonging to Boaz of the clan of Elimelech. And would you know it, in verse 4, who arrives but Boaz. Okay, you getting the picture here? It would seem like the whole chapter is all about him and pointing to him. Even at the end of the chapter, the women are talking about him. And so it seems right that whatever God is teaching us tonight is through Boaz. There's one main point for us to remember... Uh, And it's there at the top of your sheet. God's mighty and righteous redeemer. That's what we're going to see from Boaz tonight. 
God's mighty and righteous redeemer. Let's start with mighty. Boaz is mighty. He offers God's protection in verses 5 to 9. Let's read that together. Then Boaz said to the young man who was in charge of the reapers, Whose young woman is that? The servant said, She is the young Moabite woman who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, Please let me clean and gather among the sheaves after the reapers. So she came and has continued from early morning until now, except for a short rest. And Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one, but keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Boaz must have been away from Bethlehem for some time. We know this because last week the whole town was talking about these women. And yet Boaz has to ask, who is she? And he's told in no uncertain terms that this is a Moabite from Moab. She's an outsider. She doesn't belong here. How will Boaz respond to a penniless foreigner in his field? How is he going to respond? His first response is concern for her welfare. These are dark times. We've said that before. Ruth is a young girl. She's out in a remote place, all on her own. His offer is to keep Ruth safe. And it's not what Boaz can give her, like money, that was going to do that. It's actually association. It's about who Boaz is that's going to keep Ruth safe. And that's why his offer is pretty exclusive, isn't it? He says, this field... These women, don't go to another field. Stay here. It's pretty exclusive. Boaz has great authority, and we'll see this uh, uh, later on in the story. But here, only one word from him in verse 9, and Ruth won't even be touched, let alone harmed. He's got great authority. It's to do with who Boaz is, that's going to keep Ruth safe. And in some ways his offer is conditional, isn't it? Because if Ruth wants to be safe, she must listen and she must keep close. The word here is cling. Cling to the women. It's actually the same word that was used of Ruth clinging to Naomi in the previous chapter. And actually appears twice at the end of the chap- this chapter where she says, I've got to keep close. And Boaz's offer might actually seem a bit offensive to modern-day, post-modernist people who say, you know, God, he's been a bit narrow, isn't he? His offer is a bit narrow, saying, you have to do this, you have to do it this way. He doesn't tell Ruth, you know what, choose whatever field suits you, it doesn't matter. No, Boaz offers protection, but to come under it, Ruth must listen to him. And keep close and go after the women. It's important. Well, we heard last week about having security in the wrong places. But here is one in whom Ruth will know true safety. 
And that moves us to our second point. Boaz is mighty and he is righteous. Boaz is righteous, bringing God's provision. We see that in uh, verse uh, verse 8 through to 13, I think it is. Let me read that bit. Then Boaz said to Ruth, Now listen, my daughter, do not go to glean in another field or leave this one. But keep close to my young women. Let your eyes be on the field that they are reaping and go after them. Have I not charged the young men not to touch you? And when you are thirsty, go to the vessels and drink what the young men have drawn. Then Ruth fell on her face, bowing to the ground, and said to him, Why have I found favour in your eyes, that you should take notice of me, since I am a foreigner? But Boaz answered her, All that you have done for your mother-in-law since the death of your husband has been fully told to me, and how you left your father and mother and your native land and came to a people that you did not know before. The Lord repay you for what you have done, and a full reward be given you by the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Then Ruth said, I have found favour in your eyes, my Lord. You have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant, though I am not one of your servants. And at mealtime, Boaz said to her, Come here. And eat some bread and dip your morsel in the wine. So Ruth sat beside the reapers and he passed to her roasted grain. And she ate until she was satisfied and she had some left over. When she rose to glean, Boaz instructed his young men saying, Let her glean even among the sheaves and do not reproach her. And also pull out some of the bundles for her and leave it for her to glean and do not rebuke her. So she gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. And she took it up and went into the city. Her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned. Well, all this talk of gleaning, uh, does anyone know what it means? Give it a go, Samuel. Yeah, work on the fields, yeah, that's right, and the harvest. What, What particular job is gleaning? It's not actually cutting the grain, uh, the, the, the wheat, huh? To gathering. Gleaning is kind of gathering, yeah. And actually it's gathering after they've done the main work of cutting the wheat. So um, the women would go behind and they would gather up the bits that were left behind. Um, and also we're going to see in a moment that there was a law for God's people that they would intentionally leave the edge of their field and not harvest that bit. And there's a reason for that. Okay? But the gleaners would be the people doing the hard work, backbreaking work, day, day long, in the heat, in the dust, gathering the, bits, you know, gathering the bits, collecting them up, putting them in the bag. So, Boaz, we're going to see that Boaz is righteous, he brings God's provision. And we'll see how he does that. Well, uh, let me show you the law. Uh, the law is from Leviticus 23:22. I think I wrote it on your sheet. And it says this, And when you reap the harvest of your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge, nor shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. You shall leave them for the poor and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. 
Well, Boaz is righteous. And in the time of the judges, he really is a one-off. We heard last week, everyone else is doing what is right in their own eyes. But Boaz is one who is doing what is right in the eyes of the Lord. And as an employer, we hear him praising God and praying for his staff. Can you imagine what that would be like today? That would be amazing, wouldn't it? But it's not just Boaz's words. His whole life reflects the God that he speaks about. If, Boaz, if, if God's name is on Boaz's lips, then God's law is written on his heart. And this is the law that's written on Boaz's heart. And when we think of God's law, we think, God, that's just a bunch of rules, isn't it? What are we going to learn about God from that? Well, Boaz sees that the law God gives shows what God is like. The law God gives shows what he is like. So to Boaz, God is good. He's a life giver. Whatever God says reflects that. Behind this law, Boaz can see the life-giving goodness of God. In this case, towards those who are weak and vulnerable. So that law is good and it gives life. Because God is good and he gives life. And because of this, Boaz doesn't just need to merely comply to the regulations. It's the tax I've got to pay. It's one of the downsides of being a businessman. No, Boaz loves to do what he sees his father God doing. It's completely different, isn't it? Completely different approach. Completely different attitude. And so... In the fields of Bethlehem, it's actually God's ancient, ancient law, which most of us, let's be honest, knew nothing about until now. It's actually the means of God's grace towards Ruth. In verse 14, we see Boaz joy in bringing God's provision to Ruth. And uh, the WhatsApp group we've been having has been going wild today, talking about meals and provision. So I thought this is one for you. Okay. <laughs> What is the meal and provision that God gives Ruth through Boaz? Well, let's look at verse 14. He invites her to a meal with him. That's, that's an honour, isn't it? She's a nobody. He's a somebody. And he invites her to eat as, at his table and he dips and dip bread in his wine. And actually, this, it's such a big meal, there's some left over. That sometimes happens here. There was a bit left over today. Um, Ruth gets to take what food, after being satisfied, what food she had left and give it to Naomi. It's abundant provision. This wasn't even on the cards. She's done the gleaning. This is over and above. Boaz is righteous. He loves God. And he loves the God who loves the weak. And that's why he's abundant in his provision. In in, uh, the last verse, uh, it says, So she gleaned in the field until the evening, and she beat out what she gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. Well, I didn't know what an ephah was, so you look it up. And it's so many litres, 22 litres, which is, you know, you have to convert it to whatever it is. And then it's kilograms. It's actually, like, close to 14 kilograms. I was going to buy a sack, but it would cost me 25 quid. You know, I'm not willing to spend that. But it's like, um, it's two weeks 
supply for, two, for the ladies. That's the equivalent of two weeks' food. That's a lot of grain. It's a lot of barley. So it's all because Boaz is loving God, the loving, loving the God who loves the weak. And he, he sees that God is good and a life giver. So that's what Boaz does. But it's not just what he does for Ruth that shows God's kindness. It's actually what he says to her. And this was the thing that really struck me when reading this. Because Boaz could just be some rich dude, okay? Flashing the cash, just won the lottery. Let's transfer some money into the homeless shelter. No contact, no interaction. He's not like that. He speaks kind words to her. He speaks to her. Uh, Imagine the isolation that Ruth feels. She's lost her father-in-law and husband. She knows no one in Bethlehem. She's an outsider, so the darting looks uh, when they have their breaks for, for, for drinks. The scornful comments that come her way. Even Naomi, the one person she's got... Well, she's not really acknowledging her, or encouraging her, or supporting her, is she? Okay, you you go. Um, And then Ruth hears this kind voice. And it's the voice of Boaz, and the first thing he says is, Listen, my daughter. How tender, how loving that is, my daughter. It's not all you, it's my daughter. And Ruth hears someone who is concerned for her and for her safety. Someone who knows how she's feeling in a place and with a people she doesn't know. That's what Boaz said. I have heard about this. And she hears someone speaking well of her, commending her, saying, Your choice to stick by Naomi. Wonderful. For someone who doesn't get much encouragement. God, that's, that's wonderful, isn't it? That God's mighty, righteous redeemer is actually someone who cares. And actually, if you look at verse 15, 13, sorry, that's exactly what, Boaz, uh, what Ruth is touched by. It's not Boaz's wallet, it's his words. She says... You have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant. You have comforted me and spoken kindly to your servant. This reminded me really of a prophetic verse. It's in Isaiah 42 verse 3. It's not on your notes. You might want to write that down. It says this about Jesus. It says, A bruised reed, he will not break. And a faintly burning wick, he will not quench. He will faithfully bring forth justice. A bruised reed, he will not break. A faintly burning wick, he will not snuff out. The kindness of God, the tenderness of God, is that he he speaks kindly to us. And he shows care for us. In Jesus And this means that this isn't just good news for Ruth and for the people in that time at that place. It's good news for us. Jesus 
is the one where you see the sheer kindness of God. And even the kindness of his perfect law. Um, As we head into Matthew's Gospel this autumn, we'll see Jesus up close. And we'll see that he is the true Israelite. He's the one who always delights in God's law. He is righteous, far, far more than Boaz. He is the Lord of the harvest. And he welcomes the sinful people to his table to eat with him. All authority, strength and righteousness is his. So we've been seeing that Boaz is the righteous and mighty redeemer. Well, on the horizon for Judah, the place that their, uh, Ruth and Naomi were in, was actually a king called David. And he could bring the whole nation under God's rule. What a change that would bring. Under David, they'd enjoy the protection and the abundant provision of God. But Jesus is God's promised king forever. He will reign forever, and he can promise that to us forever. And so what's important for us to think through is how are we responding to Jesus? How are we responding to Jesus? How are we responding to his offer to bring us into his protection, to bring us into God's house, his family? And actually, we can do that as we look at Ruth and her response. It will help us to think this through. Well, Boaz's offer is kind, and Ruth can tell it's kind. She she sees it as kindness towards her. And she knows she doesn't deserve it. She says, why me? And she says two things. I'm an outsider, and I'm not one of your servants. So I'm, I'm not from this land. I'm not even on the right page. And I'm definitely not even in your club. Because <laughs> I'm not one of your servants. You have no need to do this I don't belong to you yet so she says that that's a good response and she also says this word favour comes up a lot so when Ruth was heading out to the fields at the start she said you know what I'm going to need favour in the sight of the person who I find and when she meets uh, Boaz and when Boaz speaks kindly to her she says why have I found favour in your sight But we know that Ruth accepts the kindness that is being shown to her. Because the last time she says it is in verse 13. And she says this. She says, I have found favour in your sight, my Lord. I have found favour. The why question was there. Now it's the I found favour. Confidence. She's accepting the gift, the offer. And wouldn't that be a great response when we see the kindness of God towards us, the offer that he's making us in Jesus, to say, why me? But then to say, I have found favour. God, you've done this. Aren't you kind to do that? It's the best response of those who see they're undeserving, but see God's kindness to them. 
And it made me think this, actually, that God's kindness is towards those who feel crushed by life. Not for those people who are thinking, I've got this covered. Actually, Ruth is feeling crushed. And uh, this is good news for those who are otherwise excluded. The ones who are always left out. The Lord cares for you. And he is speaking his kindness to you. He takes notice of you. He seeks you out. And he brings you into the joy of knowing him. But there's one other thing about what this means for Ruth and her family. And for us. And it's this word here. Boaz is a redeemer. And we see that in verse uh, 18. When that Ruth returns to Naomi, it's that excited chatter. You know, what happened? Tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me, tell me. You know, almost can't, it doesn't let Ruth speak because she's so excited. What happened? What happened? Uh, there's the quantity of barley. It just, you know, she notices uh, all that Ruth has been blessed with. When Naomi's eager to know who it was that took notice of Ruth that day, and as soon as Ruth mentions his name, Naomi can't contain herself any longer. She knows something that Ruth doesn't know. But we've had a bit of a tip-off. Remember that clue back in verse 1? That random bit of information about Boaz? He's a relative. Well, but still, to get Naomi's full excitement... We need to understand that there was a law that said that when a man dies, who should take care of his family and his land? That responsibility fell to the next closest relative. So when, Ruth, uh, when Naomi says he is a close relative of ours, not just any relative, close relative, he is one of our redeemers, that's what she's talking about. He is one of those guys who could seal the deal who could actually come and sweep, sweep all of this up and take care of us him being such a close relative now has more significance doesn't it in the story of Ruth and Naomi because what was it Naomi knew that she didn't have future security she didn't have any descendants or any hope of descendants she her name, her, the name of her husband was going to die out and the promise, the name of the people in the land as well was not going to be there. So, Naomi, here's Boaz. He's a close relative. She must have forgotten about him before, but like suddenly now it's like, this is the guy. And she's doing all of the, you know, quite quickly she's worked out. Something's going on here. God's not forsaken me. That's what she says, isn't it? She says, Blessed be the man who took notice of you. May he be blessed by the Lord, who has not forsaken the living and the dead. Naomi, who not so long ago was convinced that God was against her, is now singing that he has not forsaken her or her husband or sons. They're not forgotten. So, can you, if I took this off, would you remember the three things? Boaz is God's... What's the first one? 
Come on. God's mighty. Redeemer. And really, he's, a, he's just there to show us what Jesus is like. Jesus is our, God's mighty, righteous Redeemer. And we'll, we'll get onto the redeeming stuff in a few chapters' time. But the stage is set for a complete turnaround in this story. It's come about not by Ruth or Naomi's cleverness. It's actually come about through God's grace and kindness. His absolute provision. Through kindness in his holy law. You know that old thing. Everyone thought was just a bunch of rules. It's kindness to Naomi now. As she gleans in the field. And it's come through the kindness of a righteous man. Who loves the God of the commands. In whose eyes Ruth finds favour. It's come about in the sovereign timing of God. We can see that, can't we? Everything, just in one swoop. Actually, it's actually taken one day. All of the heartache, all of the stress. How are we going to pay the bills? You know, everything. One day. That's all God needed. All it took. And everything's in the right place at the right time. He's there, she's there. They meet. Uh, the situation now facing Naomi and Ruth is not mere escape from destitution and poverty, but actually has the promise of bringing them a lasting hope in the future. But for that, you have to come back next week. Uh, let's think about what this. Uh, so I've just put this last slide up there. Who's got one? He wanted Ruth, the one that no one else thought anything of and he brought her into his family uh, let's, let's pray let's thank God for that let's pray Father God we in our pride think we're strong think we're holy that we're good we think that we can redeem ourselves that we can save ourselves and yet You tell us in your word about someone who is mighty, who is righteous, and who can redeem us. Someone who can bring us into your protection, someone who can give us your provision, and someone who can bring us into your family. We are in the wrong if we're thinking we can do it. So thank you that you challenge us, you change us to see that you are the security we need. Pray that we would respond to you as Ruth is, humbly, seeing she doesn't deserve it, but gratefully and joyfully, seeing just how great you are. Um, Pray for us this week, and as we talk to each other after the meeting, we pray that we would encourage each other to see that you are the redeemer we need. You're the one who saves. Amen. Oh,